greeting. Thank you all for coming to this memorial service uh, in honor of Red Crossman's life. Uh, my name is Ademi, and I'm a pastor here at Seacoast Community Church, and I had the wonderful privilege of knowing Red and Marge uh, for about four years, uh, and it's been such a delight and such a joy to spend time with them and to hear their stories. And while there is a, a pain for sure and uh, in, in Red's absence, at the same time, uh, I hope that we can also rejoice because Red uh, continues uh, to live. He has gone on to paradise uh, to be with God, and he is experiencing eternal joy uh, with his Savior, Jesus Christ. And I know that it means a lot uh, for you to be here if you are, if you consider yourself an acquaintance or a friend uh, to Red and Marge, or if you consider yourself a brother or sister in Christ to Red and Marge, uh, thank you for being here uh, to support them and to be a part of this time where we can remember uh, Red together and also celebrate uh, his life. And so before we begin, uh, would you mind bowing your heads with me as I open us up in a word of prayer? Oh, gracious God, you are the, the God of all comfort and the God of all peace. God, we are asking that your, your comforting presence would be with us this evening. Lord, would you give strength to all those who might be sharing this evening? Would you give strength, Lord, to his beloved family, to all of us, Lord, who are grieving his absence. And Father, we pray that at the same time we may remember that he is in heaven even in this very moment, that he is enjoying paradise with the Savior that he so loves. So we pray all of these things to your eternal glory, and in Jesus' name, amen. Hi, I'm John Scoggins. Red Crossman was my first and best friend here in New England and has remained that for over 43 years. Now, Red was a real Mainer's Mainer. He was born in 1937 near Hamden, Maine, the one of five, uh, to Leah Gold Crossman and Wilfred Hardman Crossman. Red's childhood was one of early assumptions of a whole bunch of uh, kind of small jobs, uh, starting down with, uh, with raking blueberries, with trying his hands at a little farm work, with working at the Sunbeam Bakery, all kinds of things just to put a little bit back into contributing to the family income. He grew up in Winterport, Maine, went to Winterport High School, where in fact he was a valedictorian, which surprised me, because Red is not one who jumps out uh, uh, and, and does those things flamboyantly, but, but by golly, he did it, and he did it well. You saw, if you've seen the uh, video, you saw that uh, Red loved the Civil Air Patrol. So he, from early, went into the Civil Air Patrol they even arranged uh, in 1956 a trip that they sponsored for, for Red to go over, spend a complete month 
in Israel, embedded in a family there. Uh, if you talk closely to Red, you would see that that already, already started uh, pushing him towards some ideas for what he was going to be in his life. It was a big impact. He went to, to uh, UMaine Orono for a year, and after that enrolled in the U.S. Air Force. Uh, that was in 1959. Now, Red married Margie uh, Johnson in October 1960, and they started their life together down in North Carolina near Wilmington. Uh, not too long after that, along comes Mark, and it would be about seven more years, and then uh, along would come Laura to complete the family. Shortly into his enlisted career, his, his uh, commanding officer saw that, uh, that Red had some potential, decided to recommend him for a, a program for commissioning. And so he did that. And so Red went off to uh, Fort Collins, Colorado, where he got his BS in uh, electrical engineering there. Uh, and w went on then after completing that to uh, several really good successful uh, assignments for the Air Force. He went on to add master's degrees in EE and computer sciences through AFIT, that's the Air Force Institute of Technology. Uh, he later had an MBA while he was working in private industry with DEC. Red's Air Force service included a tour in Vietnam. All of us who were there know that those experiences had a lasting impact on our lives and they did on Red's attitudes toward the family, the value of human rights, the sanctity of life, and especially his drive to help the underserved everywhere he was. He fully retired from formal employment in the year 2000 after serving uh, at DEC. Uh, he went over, he was, that was for over 20 years, and he, he, in that was four years where they were stationed over in, in France where Red led, led some of the, the DEC uh, overseas in, in, institutional uh, programs there. Let me tell you something about my experiences with Red. We first met Red and Marge in 1978. My timing is always impeccable. I was retiring from Air Force in Virginia and moving to New Hampshire to work for a defense contractor. I happened to arrive the day before the 1978 blizzard. <laughs> we went, Ann and I, I had flown up and we were uh, looking for a place for me to stay. Uh, while Ann and our four kids were gonna stay down in Virginia, I needed a place to stay. And, uh, so Red helped me find that, but he also got me over to the house at least weekly. I was living the high life. Uh, I was eating Marge's cooking at least once a week. Didn't have to do the dishes. Uh, <laughs> when, when my family arrived in June, we literally shared our family life, uh, including Red and Marge uh, loaning their travel trailer in their backyard for us to live in until we could find a place, a house. In the following months, we got to know the rich diversity of the Crossman family life. When Red would get home from the Air Force job, he'd usually walk in, kiss his wife, and give a big hug to his big black uh, Labrador Retriever, Corey. Or was it the other way around? <laughs> uh, often some updating with the kids and time permitting, a few minutes in the backyard. Red actually had a green thumb, and uh, he grew 
Lord just rode his there off of wire road. I was always impressed with the meal times that we all got together because they put a priority on the party sit-down meals that were really, really tasty. But between the nights, the uh, floor was always open for discussion and debate on current hot topics, anybody's hot topics, <laughs> a few of which might take a bit of guided cleanup. Uh, our family, like so many others, were just welcomed right into their daily life. We just weighed into those family traditions, like the weekly baked bean supper, like the eagerly anticipated red velvet cake with a prize bean hidden in it, and the finer of the bean, their pieces of cake, uh, one chore free week. So we all looked for that. Occasionally, Red's mom visited. I'm, I still am heartbroken that I didn't get to spend more time with Red's mom. Bill was a real character, and she offered to help expand me, my, help me expand my vocabulary. Uh, I had to be careful. As our, as our kids were growing up, Red always had some great outings for everybody. In the winter, Red would locate a whole bunch of truck inner tube tires, and he would take the time to get those checked out, repaired in some cases, and inflated. And then he would take all of the kids, the youth, and a lot of the families over to the Sledden Hill on Highway 101 uh, there in Merrimack. We, uh, we had some wimps making hot chocolate while the rest of us did the kamikaze runs over the hastily prepared jumps. Uh, we sometimes landed in a runout among the frozen cow patties. Uh, after all, it was a cow pasture. Uh, I think these experiences easily morphed into all of us doing multifamily winter vacations. Uh, one of the, some of the ones that we experienced the most and, and remember the most were up at Dow Pines. Uh, where Red would go ahead and, and make reservations for that. And then we would do sledding and mobiling and, of course, eating around the rock fireplace. We were right there off Highway 9, not far from those uh, same blueberry fields that Red had raked as a kid. Red loved it when Marge made immense beet pies from an event he took when hunting with Bob McLaughlin, his brother-in-law. There were a lot of wild stories out of those trips. One saying Red was fond of came out of a, a group trip where a passenger was sitting there pouring coffee for someone as they went down the road. They hit a big, hot, a big pothole. Coffee went everywhere, especially from chest to knees of the person that was pouring. Afterwards, and to this day, anytime we were riding, Red loved to be asked if he wanted us to pour him a cup of coffee and then how much do you want? He'd always say, oh, thou crotch full. <laughs> Red loved music. Neither he nor I could carry a tune at all, but we loved to hear it. Early on, he was always encouraging our daughter Brenda to play music box dancer. Music box dancer was one of his favorites. Uh, throughout the following years, Red took Marge to all kinds of uh, theater, and music venues all over, including uh, Branson, Missouri, uh, in Europe, and uh, even a, a concert playhouse. One of our early trips involved Red inviting a group of church friends to pile into his ever-present van and uh, 
try to travel to Portland to attend a Gaither concert. So we headed out. There's still a lot of discussion about how many times we went around the Highway 1 uh, uh, interchange there, uh, that traffic circle in Portsmouth, before we got out, went into the liquor store and asked for directions. <laughs> the Crossland household could rightly be spelled hospitality in capital letters. I don't think I've ever known anyone more generous with their things than the Crossmans. Anybody that knew Red knew how much he loved his snowmobiles. Yet, even though he took meticulous care of them, didn't want scratches, didn't want anything, yet he went ahead and loaned those continuously to friends, to church leaders, to almost strangers, and to kids to share his love for winter outdoors. I've mentioned that Red loved his vans. Yet Red was quick to insist that I borrow his precious Ford 350 uh, to drive out to Illinois, bring back my daughter's things after she was killed in an automobile accident. If he had it and you needed it, he gave it. When they first bought property in York, there was a quaint cabin on the, where the big house is now. There was hardly any family in the church or relations who were not given free use of that cabin for a getaway. In fact, many a young set of honeymooners were given a free start there. For many years, even after they built the big house, we could always depend on being able to whisk Red Marge away uh, over to Neville Lighthouse to sit on the rocks and watch the waves crash. Sometimes a lobster lunch or dinner would, would uh, find us be adding to that show. You know, Red loved Maine lobsters. Tales abound of Red and Fran's husband, Bob, finding places that served twin or triple lobsters and the carnage that resulted. No place was dumb enough to offer an all-you-can-eat. We were a real danger to the lobster population. I've told you that Red had an attitude and, and took action to help nearly anyone, nearly any time. I've also told you in some of the many ways that the Crossmans were generous. Now I want to talk about how adventurous Red was. Most of you know that Red loved being outside doing things. Hunting, fishing, camping, boating, just being in the outback with friends, doing close to nature things. He didn't take those activities lightly. In fact, he made a great effort to become skilled in every one of the ones that he engaged in. He got skilled enough with instinct shooting uh, that he was able to instruct his grandson, Christopher, to hit objects in the air with a BB gun. He loved to throw big flies for landlocked salmon in the lakes up off the gold road. He learned to tie flies, fish for stripers and blues. Uh, they traveled down to North Carolina with, a, with us to uh, fish for false albacore, one of the tuna family, with fly rods. As we, get, as we got older, no one told us. So we didn't know, so we didn't act our age. After retirement, Red started kayaking in salt water with me right in Casco Bay, where the, where the white shark attack was last year. He was also running the rivers with Don, his neighbor, when he could. In his 70s, I loved that any time he could get in the vicinity of a zip line, he was going to be the first one in line. 
he was a bit more genteel than me, so he uh, had earlier added golf to his repertoire, and he was comfortably good at it. Uh, he had at least two hole-in-ones that I know of. After age 75, he was still adding toys like his, such as his four-wheeler. He was an all-around outdoor man. I've told you a little of the experiences that show what kind of friend and father Red was. He had a great quality. He had lots of great qualities that we admired. As you observed Red live out his life, there's one thing you, you should have observed. He was a devout and active Christian. He served God through his local church, and he made each of those churches stronger. He was always actively serving in multiple roles at church. When Nashville Baptist Church was moving from inner city Nashville out to its current location, Red was elected to run the fundraising program. It was going to be tough. It was, it was named Together We Build. Red ensured that it was a resounding success. It raised over three times the goal. So Red was the most effective deacon that I've ever known. To this day, several families at Nashville Baptist Church will declare that they wish that Red was still assigned as their family deacon. As the deacon chairman, Red was instrumental in growing young and old deacons to be more effective and dedicated servants. Red was quiet but firm, and we deacons dreaded the trip to, the Red, to Red's van for private corrective woodshed moments. You know, there's a scripture in the Old Testament that God used the prophet Micah to remind the Israelites again about what God expects of a man. Micah 6, 8 says, What does the Lord require of you except to do justice, to love mercy, and to walk with your God? Do justice, having right and fair relationships in the community, especially in legal and financial affairs. Red was very careful with money, but he was, he was very accurate, and he had a loving heart. Justice is necessary for people to live well amongst each other the way God intended. Love mercy. Like doing justice, faith focuses on acts toward others. The word used here is the word relationship, referring both to an attitude as well as to the actions that a person does. Here we're told to have a heart-filled desire to do good to others and to obey God. And then walk humbly with God. Walk sort of a figurative sense here. This requires passive and active obedience. The first two duties are mostly toward others, but this duty is to God himself. This, is, this walk is what God truly desires of us. Red understood deeply that he wants our hearts. He wants his people to want his will and to serve others with love, compassion, and capability. Yes, we are to do justice, love mercy, and walk humbly with our God. Red did this. Red, I remember a million... <coughs> Little experiences that make me identify you as helpful to others, generous, dependable, adventurous, and a committed Christian. I'm forever changed for the better by knowing you.
thank you, my longtime friend, for illustrating a life well and fully lived. I look forward to seeing you again soon in the presence of our Heavenly Father. Thank you.
As I sit in heaven and watch over you every day, I try to let you know with signs I never went away. I hear you when you're laughing, and I watch you when you sleep. I even place my arms around you to calm you as you weep. I see you wish the days away, begging to have me home. So I try to send you signs so you know you're not alone. Don't feel guilty that you have a life that was denied to me. Heaven is truly beautiful. Just you wait and see. So live your life, be free, and know that every breath you take, you'll be taking one for me. scripture reading at this time. <coughs> Going to read Philippians 2, 5 through 11. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. 
who took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of the highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I have an email that Dad's baby sister sent us to have read here because she couldn't be here today. She said, my brother was easy to love, adore, and respect. His handshake was always better than a contract. His dear wife Margie, Mark, and Laura were his world that he loved with all his heart and he wanted to give them the best life he could, and he worked very hard to do so. His family and career always came first. Being his youngest sister, I always, she says, I always wanted to follow in his footsteps and join the Air Force like he did. But Grammy Lee said, absolutely not. <laughs> Dad was also a thrill, se thrill seeker, which she says, I'm sure sir, scared Margie, as well as his sisters. And to her knowledge, once his mind was made up, I can verify this, nobody could change it. And she goes on to say, thank God for his wife Margie, or most people would fall apart. She always stood tall. She says, I miss my brother, I miss the sound of his voice, and I love him dearly, but he'll always be in my heart. <sighs> Listening to you talking about everything, it was like, oh my God, yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and so many, so many more of those memories I could being the youngest and having what happened to me in my life, I had a little bit different experience with dad because he was always scared for me and he always was afraid that I wasn't, he wanted the best and so, but. I know he loved me and he did the best he could and I love him and I know he's in me and uh, you know. We 
I said we're going to take this time. If anybody has any memories or something that they would like to say, you know, please come on up, and we're going to do this for a few minutes. I'll start us all off. So, my grandfather was amazing. He always wanted to make time for his grandkids and for us to enjoy everything that he did. So one time when we were younger, me and my brother Stephen right there decided, or he decided that we were going to go snowmobiling with him in the most amazing fashion ever. So him along with my father decided that they were going to make us a really cool toboggan. And it had a little hitch on the front and seat belts to secure us because that was important. And you'll see why. So we were strapped in like prisoners and, <laughs> and we were on our way down this area. We're right beside all these trees. And we went into the trees and thank goodness the grandpa was going slow with us because we detached from the snowmobile. He can't feel it in the front, so he's going, and Grandpa's going this way, and we're going this way, and my father's behind us, being like, oh, no. <laughs> yeah, so the toboggan, uh, we hit a tree. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, and, and we flipped over, and we were, uh, it felt like we were still going. So, but I want you to know, with those seatbelts, we did not fall out. <laughs> yeah. The toboggan did, but we did not. <laughs> so, he was he was a great man and a great influence on all of us, and gave us great aspirations to fill his shoes, which I don't think that we ever could. But he always made us feel like when we were in the room that we were the most important thing to him. And every time that he looked at you, we were the most important thing in his life. And he always wanted to know how we're doing, what we're doing. Um, he always wanted to know how our kids were doing and everything to catch us up. And in that moment, when he talked with you, you were the most important thing to him. And that is one of the most gracious things that he could ever give us as a legacy. We first met Red and Marge when we moved to France. We both worked, Red, Red and I both worked for digital. And Red and Marge were over there first. And we were invited to go over to work there. And my wife Liz and I, we were, we were concerned about whether or not we could do it. Could we afford it? Could we adjust to the lifestyle? And who did we meet? We met Red and Marge. And they took us around, they showed us everything, and every time we had any kind of a doubt about doing it, they said, you can do this, you can do this. And I think Marge told Liz, if he doesn't do it, kill him. <laughs> but Red was fantastic. I mean, 
I've heard stories today that I never heard before, but his energy and his desire to do anything that was new and different was there. And when, they were, when Marge and Red were in France, Marge added extra juice to doing that, to doing anything that was different. They took us to more fireworks shows in Monaco than I ever knew existed. So they were fantastic. We had our, our daughter was born there. Our oldest daughter was born in France. And Marge threw the first year birthday party for her. And we still have pictures and we have things that she made. And I'll never forget, you all know how, and I think people have said, when Red made up his mind, you couldn't change it. Well, I have a story for you. We had the birthday party and everybody was wearing birthday hats. And Red looked at me and said, don't you dare. And I put it on his head and he let it sit there for a couple minutes. So he was fantastic. It's great, to, it's great to be here. Thank you. Everything has been so good that's been said about Red. But you know what? Red didn't like when things didn't go like he planned. I was a church secretary, and uh, we were assigning people to groups, and uh, he had let me know who his was. But we had another family, and I didn't contact Red, and I put him on a different group. Well, Sunday morning, I was told that group, that, per that family went on a different group. They went on that group. So I learned real quick. He was precise in what he wanted to do, and he made sure it happened. And of course, that was good, you know. But I think the most, the sweetest thing that I remember about Red is that he cooked breakfast. He made us breakfast, and he always made sure that my egg was cooked right, because I didn't want an easy over egg and things of this sort. And it was just a pleasure, you know, to come and have breakfast after you've spent the night and know that Red was making it making it the best that he could, and then sitting down at the table and just visiting together. And I think that's probably one of the best gifts that they have, is that when you go to their house, you sit down and you visit, you eat and you enjoy. And that's a blessed memory of Red Crossman. feel a little cheated because we only got to have red for five years uh, but when we came a couple behind us in the church tapped us on the shoulder and turned around and here's red and miss marge and red said i don't know you and he introduced himself and told him his name came from having a big shock of red hair that he assured me he didn't have now but they invited us to lunch that day, and we felt so special. It wasn't until later we found out they did that a lot, but <laughs> we, we knew in our hearts that we were more special than all the other people they invited. But then we started finding out more about Red, about his service to others. And you're right, he was an example of obedience. 
I strive to be the man that drifts. And he was adventurous. He talked about, you know, we worried about him doddering around here and, and doing things because he seemed fragile. But then he talks about doing 85, 90 miles an hour on his snowmobile up north. And he was still taking it up there and doing it. And then the first snow comes here, and he calls my house early morning and asks me if he needed to come over and shovel my driveway, which made me ashamed that I hadn't called him to see if I could shovel his driveway. But I want you to know, we loved your husband. And I miss him every day as my And we have the hope of Jesus of seeing him again. Um, so it's funny you mentioned shoveling because I was thinking of things I could talk about about Red. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I grew up half my childhood next door and large um, and most of my grandparents have passed on so they kind of took me in as their own amongst all of their grandchildren and great-grandchildren they already had but what's one more to add to the crew um, but I remember I was in like fifth or sixth grade so this was quite a few years back but a huge blizzard had come and hit York and my family we did have a driveway but why get a plow when you have a child to do it in fifth grade so I was outside shoveling, and if any of you have been to Red and Marge's house, they get their driveway plowed, but they have a pathway right in the middle of their house to get to the front door. And so I'm outside shoveling my driveway, and I look right next door in the yard, and I see Red outside shoveling the snow path. Now at this time, he's not exactly as close to my age as a fifth grader as I was shoveling. So I walk across the yard with my shovel, and I'm like, Red! what are you doing out here? Like, you shouldn't be shoveling your pathway. Let me shovel it. And he said, no, no, no. The winter is my time to shine. I like shoveling into <laughs> my pathway. And I was like, well, why? Let's, like, make snow angels or something. And <laughs> the first, that first time he actually said, you know, my hill in the backyard is perfect for sledding. You want to go sledding? And so I was like, sure. So we finished shoveling the pathway together. He was stubborn, as we all know, so he stayed and I helped, but he didn't let me do it all. Um, and then he grabbed, I grabbed my toboggan, and we went sledding in his backyard <laughs> about five years ago. We probably spent three, four hours probably out in the snow, up and down the hill, and it's a pretty steep backyard <laughs> that you have. So him and I did that, and then I started offering to come back and shovel the pathway every time it snowed. And he would keep saying, no, no, no. And he said, you can help me. And how about our repayment? And I don't know if you know this, is he offered up your baking skills to teach me how to bake. <laughs> he said, how about you come over and help me? And we'll, we'll, Marge will help you learn how to bake something. So that was where my love for baking also started, is that was my payment for helping him shovel. Not all of it, but some of it, which was worth it.
also have a, a video of somebody who wanted to uh, take a little scratch and share uh, about Red also. Hi, Marge. Carol and I are so sorry that we couldn't be there for Red's memorial service. Uh, would love to, but uh, unfortunately, circumstances wouldn't allow it. However, I would like to say a few things about him and you and your family. I would have never thought 44 years ago when we moved to Nashua from Fort Worth after I finished seminary that uh, we would meet such a wonderful family and become uh, good friends. Uh, I mean, we think back and have tried to think back about some of the things that so impacted us and uh, there were so many things. Uh, I mean, you guys were uh, such great friends then and have remained great friends uh, through the years. Uh, we had some wonderful times of fellowship in your in your home. Uh, we, we've talked about it as a family, and we all remember uh, Corey and how Red loved that dog. And we'd go out, and uh, he'd spend time with him and show us what he could do to uh, the times of just sitting around your table and eating your wonderful meals. I mean, uh, totally accepted by your family. And uh, it's just a blessing to have you in our lives, and we wish we could have been there. Some of the highlights that I think about and that the family has thought about is I remember when we had to leave Lance and uh, Red took him to the airport so he could come to meet us at Home Mission Week at uh, Ridgecrest and Lance was so proud of Red uh, as Red carried him to the airport and walked him in and Red in his uh, Air Force uniform. That had such a tremendous impact on, on Lance. Uh, I think about uh, what servant hearts you guys had. Uh, Red, when we first got there, couldn't ask for a better man, uh, not only a better man, but a better friend. But uh, when the snowstorms had come, he'd be out shoveling the walks and delivering food to the shut-ins and you both just had a servant heart, and uh, when he finally agreed to become a deacon and serve the church, and uh, uh, what a wonderful example he was. And as I've traveled around these United States and uh, since then, and pastored and served as a director of missions and had opportunities to speak in churches, I always mention Red as one of the best deacons that I ever had, and uh, just a man of integrity and uh, impacted my life in ways that you couldn't even imagine or begin to uh, think about. And uh, there's so much I could say about him, but I don't want to leave you out because you were a couple. And I know this is extremely difficult on you and our prayers and our thoughts with you and Mark and Lori, the rest of the family, the grandkids. Uh, but I want to just want to encourage you to hold on to those uh, good memories. I mean, they're, all of us have the heart <laughs> are bad spots, and I'm sure that if you guys were talking about me, you could bring up some bad memories, but I want to encourage you to hold on to the good memories of Red. That's the way I'm going to remember him, and uh, just what a blessing, and I just, again, sorry that we couldn't be there, but uh, know that you have, and he has impacted our lives for all of eternity, and so uh, just asking God today to wrap his arms Say a few things. Yeah, he did like his shoveling. 
I remember being sent back out many times growing up. No, you didn't do that right. You got to do it this way. And I finally figured it out. But then I hated the snowplows because they'd come back and throw it back out in the yard and I had to go out and do it again. I, Dad was very adventurous. I enjoyed my time growing up and in, in, in my adult life going hunting and fishing in different places. And when we took those snowmobiles and went up northern Maine and we had a blast for a week crossing back and forth into Canada. And yes, he would go very fast. <laughs> I was not as brave on him as he was, <laughs> but he knew what he could do with it. Um, taught me a lot of things growing up. Uh, spent a lot of time in the garage holding a flashlight in the vehicle when he's fixing something. He'd do it himself. He wouldn't take it to anybody. So that did help me because it helped me save money because I learned how to do it. So when I started, you know, when moved out, <laughs> I fixed a lot of my own stuff. Hopefully I pass that on to some of you kids, maybe. <laughs> yes, I am. Um, and I try to, try to emulate my dad because he was very caring. Make sure you take care of people. You know, it didn't matter who you were or what your issue was, he would take care of you. Thank you all for being here. Someone had once written that true love presupposes humility. Without humility, the self comes to occupy all the available space and sees the other person as an object or as an enemy. Indeed, while love is the finest fruit of virtue, humility is its root. Just a few moments ago, we heard a passage read to us in Philippians 2, 5 to 11. I'll actually go back to that passage in a moment, but... Uh, right before that passage in Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, it tells us, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own, your own interest, but take an interest in others too. I think it goes without saying that if you are always thinking about yourself, your own desires, your own wants and needs, well, then there's no room, there's no space for you to be able to think about others and their needs as well. I mean, you can't count others more significant than yourself if you consider yourself sort of be, to be the, the center of your world. You can't look to the interests of others if you're only and constantly looking for your own personal interests. And that's why, as I think about these passages in Philippians 2, and what people have shared, what you all have shared, really affirms this, is that I, I, I see Red's life just modeled so well after this particular, these particular passages, always looking to the interests of others, counting others more significant than himself, 
so much so, in fact, that he always wanted others to join him in kind of having fun as well. I was also, I was invited on several occasions to go out snowmobiling with him, and unfortunately never had the time, but I got the impression around very early on when I first met him that this is the kind of man who likes to live his life on the edge. He's always, always interested in other people, always making sure that, that their needs are met. But you see, even though Red was always looking to the interests of others, even though he was always looking for ways to serve other people, essentially he was imitating the life of someone who was worthy of imitating. In Philippians 2.5, it tells us about Jesus. It tells us to have the same mind as Christ. It says that though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. When he appeared in human form, he humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. It tells us there that Jesus did not count equality with God. What does that even mean? It tells us that essentially Jesus was at the same essence as God. It tells us in the New Testament and in all of Scripture that Jesus is God. That Jesus was full of divinity, that he was royal, that he was kingly, full of majesty, and yet he didn't see these things as something to hold on to. But instead he humbled himself. Not that he wasn't humble before, but he humbled himself in a different manner. That tells us in what manner that Jesus humbled himself. He came into this world and died on the cross. That he identified with human beings, more than identified with them, but he wore the same flesh. He became a human. He was born of a virgin. Grew up as you and I do. And that Scriptures tell us he lived a sinless, perfect, righteous life. That he left all, these, all this royalty and all this divinity in heaven. That he didn't see that as something to hold on to, but he came into the world. Humbled himself in that way and even went humbling himself even further by going to a cross. And dying on that cross. So that if anyone believes in Jesus and what he's done on the cross, that they may be saved that they may receive forgiveness of their sins, that they may also receive an open invitation to come and spend eternity with God and with Jesus Christ in paradise. See, Jesus, even though he was a king, even though he was God, he modeled, we see this in the passage, he modeled what it was to be a servant because he had the heart of a servant. Mark 10.45 tells us that Jesus came into the world not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus didn't come into the world wearing the robes of a king, but he came wearing the dress of common man, would even wear the apron of a servant to get down on his knees and wash the feet of his disciples, a task that only servants do. And that was the kind of heart that Jesus had. Now, why do I share all this with you? I share it for at least two reasons. One, because I know that Red would want you to hear that. Because I know that he would want you to believe in that if you don't. 
The second reason I share that with you is because, you see, Red patterned his life after the life of Jesus Christ. He displayed a love for people that grew out of a genuine humility because he saw the humility of Jesus Christ. He saw Christ's love for him, and he was transformed by that. He understood the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. His heart was changed because of the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. Now, being... now. Some have shared right, that he that he was uh, that he was such a servant, right? Always looking out for others, helping others. He was a deacon here and in other churches. And I definitely affirm what others have shared that his loss is definitely felt as as a deacon. And he was very very good at it. Now, being a servant doesn't sound cool, right? Nobody, nobody wants to be a servant. Nobody wants to be identified as a servant, even though the New Testament identifies Christians as servants of God and servants of others. Right? But there's no honor, there's no repu- good reputation in being a servant. Right? Where's the glory? Where's the pride in being a servant? But at the end of this particular section in Philippians 2, it tells us in verse 9, therefore, so in response, or because of what Christ did on the cross in humbling himself, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, what Jesus shows us is that it's the, it's, it's the kind of life that we should be striving for. And what we see in his life is that the path to glory begins with a, with a path of humility. That the first, if you want to be first, you have to become last. That if you want to receive honor, you must humble yourself. And we see that in the life of Jesus Christ, but we see also more than that. And, that is, and this is where we get the hope that we have with regards to, to Red. It tells us that God elevated Jesus Christ. That includes his raising Christ from the dead. It tells us in the New Testament that God raised Jesus, that the Holy Spirit raised Jesus from the dead, and that God gave him this position of highest honor, an honor that he didn't have before, an honor that he now has as Savior of man. And even in that, we see the pattern for the life of a Christian, that the one who gives his life to serving the Lord Jesus and serving others is a path to glory. Romans chapter 2, 1 Peter chapter 1 tells us that all those who give their lives to Christ to serving him, to serving others, that they will be honored, that they will be glorified. Right, and as painful as it is, to know that red is no longer here. Right? And my heart goes out to you. I, my, I pray for you. I, I pray that the Lord may comfort you and encourage you. But while we mourn for his passing and so wishing that he was still here, 
we can at the same time rejoice because he is in heaven. Because he is in paradise with God. He has heard the words of the heavenly master who says, Well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. So I pray and hope that as you remember Red, if you, as you remember his life, as you think about him, and even at time mourn his absence, that you may also remember that he's no longer dead, that he is living right now in paradise with God, that he is at peace, he is rejoicing. And for that reason, we can rejoice as well. He loved other people so well because he was humble. And you can't love others without humility because loving others requires sacrificing yourself. And he sacrificed himself a lot for his wife, for his family, for his friends, for his church, for so many people because he loved the Lord Jesus, and because he loved people so well. So as you think about them, as you think about him, I hope that you can remember that about him as well. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Lord, we... Lord, we thank you that just as you raised... Jesus Christ from the dead, you also raised red from the dead, and he is now living with you in paradise. We thank you for this comfort, we thank you for this hope. Lord, and as his family remembers him, God, would you remind them of this encouragement, would you remind them of this hope? God, and we pray that you would comfort them and strengthen them and encourage them and give them your peace. We thank you for this opportunity to remember him and to pay our respects and to support his family. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time. And it's in your, in your name that we pray. Amen. Fred's favorite song was He Lives, and so I hope that you'll uh, join and sing with me also uh, as we sing He Lives, and let's sing. The words will be up on the screen for you.
you're smiling when you're smiling the whole world smiles with you when you're laughing when you're laughing the sun comes shining through but when you're crying you bring on the rain so stop that crying be happy again keep on smiling cause when you're smiling the whole world smiles with you when you're smiling when you're smiling the whole world it smiles with you when you're laughing when you're laughing the sun was a come shine in it through but when you're crying you bring on the rain so stop that sign come on and be happy again keep on smiling cause when you're smiling baby the whole world smiles Thank you all for coming. Uh, you are invited to uh, join uh, the family down in the fellowship hall uh, for some refreshments. So again, thank you all for coming. And um, yeah, please continue to, uh, to pray for the family and uh, keep them in your hearts and minds.